bringing hope to many around the globe, transforming lives into legacies. Live in Word with Pastor Mensah Otterville. And now, today's word. I'm speaking today and I will continue next week on the power of the cross. The power of the cross. The cross has become the symbol of Christianity. We see it on top of churches. We see it in church buildings. We see it as jewelry sometimes worn as necklaces, sometimes as brooches and other forms of jewelry, and sometimes as just decoration in our homes uh, everywhere. And sometimes, uh, interestingly, uh, people who don't even believe in God wear uh, jewelry of the cross. It seems as if uh, people have embraced the cross as a very positive symbol. It is in our art, we sing about it, we preach about it. But a cross originally was not intended to be a symbol of faith. It was designed to be a tool of punishment and for execution. In the time of Jesus, it was the most powerful tool used by the Romans to silence and intimidate their enemies. Death was by the cross was very horrible but somehow Christians and many people have today embraced that symbol of horror as a symbol of hope and uh, the words of the hymn the old rugged cross captures what the cross means to us as Christians and it says on a hill far away stood an old rugged cross the emblem of suffering and shame and I love that old cross where the dearest and best for a world of lost sinners was slain. So I will cherish the old rugged cross till my trophies at last I lay down. I will cling to the old rugged cross and exchange it someday for a crown. So how does such a horrible weapon of execution become a treasured symbol of life? Well, that's what we're going to examine today, uh, what the cross means uh, to us as Christians and its power in our lives. And I'll do the part one today. So let's read the gospel account of Jesus and the cross from John's gospel, John chapter 19, verse 17 to 20. John's gospel, chapter 19, verses 17 20. And I hope you know John is in the New Testament of your Bible. And the New Testament is in the last one, one fifth of your Bible. So, John chapter 19, from verse 17 to 20. And it has this record. And he, bearing his cross, went out to a place called the place of a skull, which is called in Hebrew Golgotha, where they crucified him and two others with him, one on either side and Jesus in the center. 
Now Pilate wrote a title and put it on the cross. And the writing was, Jesus of Nazareth, King of the Jews. Then many of the Jews read this title. For the place where Jesus was crucified was near the city. And it was written in Hebrew, Greek, and Latin. Jesus carried his cross to Golgotha or Calvary to be crucified. And so this is the account and I just want to explain the symbol of the cross and what it means to us. So what does the cross represent to us? It represents several things, but these four stand out. First, the cross represents sacrifice. And it represents sacrifice because Jesus gave up his glory for it. We remember the sacrifice he made. He left his glory in heaven to come and live with us here on earth. Humbled himself even to the death on the cross. The cross represents sacrifice. And usually when we talk about uh, taking up your cross, we are talking about making a sacrifice. The cross represents sacrifice. Secondly, the cross represents shame. Because Jesus was publicly humiliated on it. Death by crucifixion was very humiliating. It was public humiliation. So the cross is sacrifice. The cross represents shame. Thirdly, the cross represents suffering. Because Jesus experienced pain and death on it. The cross represents the suffering of Christ. He suffered by carrying it. He suffered by being nailed on it. He suffered by shedding his blood on it. And he suffered physically on it and eventually died on it. The cross represents suffering. It represents suffering. It represents shame. It represents sacrifice. And fourthly, the cross represents salvation. Because Jesus purchased our redemption on it. The cross represents our salvation. And that's why we cherish it. When we sing about, I'll cherish the old rugged cross. It is because of what it ultimately accomplished. Our salvation. It was on the cross that Jesus died. It was on the cross that we were redeemed. It was on the cross that salvation was made real to us. It was on the cross that the way to the Holy of Holies was opened so that all could enter in. So today when we talk about the cross, all these meanings come together one way or the other. In the Roman Empire, as I've said, death on the cross was not pretty. It was scandalous. It, it wasn't an honor to die on the cross. And uh, I just uh, got a write-up on a bit of what happened when a person went to the cross. And it reads that the victim was often flogged and then paraded to the site of the execution 
wearing around the neck a wooden placard proclaiming the crime. The condemned person was also carried to the place of execution with the crossbar. And at the place of execution, there will be the upright stake, the part that stands up. Because the purpose of the cross was to deter people from committing crime or to repeating what the offender has done, the cross was already always erected in a public place. The prisoner was stripped, affixed to the crossbar with nails through the forearms or with ropes. The crossbar was then raised, attached to the upright stake. The victim's feet were tied and nailed to the stake. And the weight of the hanging body made breathing difficult. And death came slowly, usually after a long period. To prolong the death and increase the agony, a small wooden block was attached to the stake beneath the feet so that there will be support and death will not come quickly. And death came most times after several days from the impact of thirst, of hunger, exhaustion, exposure, traumatic effects on the body and normally the heart broke. And all of this was done publicly so that people would watch and see the suffering and be afraid. Because the Romans were very, very good at making people afraid. They were the superpower of their time. They had to quench rebellion. They had to make sure that people didn't oppose them. So this was the way to make sure that people didn't dare challenge them. A slow, painful, humiliating public execution. Jesus knew about the cross. It wasn't a strange thing to him because he grew up in Roman-occupied Judea. His country was occupied and controlled by the Romans. The Jews were a colony of Rome. And anytime there was a rebellion against the Romans, they took them to the cross, nailed them, and everybody saw it. So Jesus knew about this. However painful, humiliating that the cross was Jesus chose it. He could have chosen to die in so many different ways. The best way for most Jews to die was by stoning and the Jews were expect at that. But Jesus chose the cross. It was his choice. How do we know it was his choice? The gospel accounts it. Matthew chapter 20 verse 17 to 19. Matthew chapter 26, verses 1 and 2. John chapter 3, verses 14 to 15. John chapter 8, verses 8 to 29. I'll read all of them in sequence. Matthew 20, 17 to 19. Now Jesus, going up to Jerusalem, took the twelve disciples aside on the road and said to them, Behold, we are going to Jerusalem. 
And the son of man will be betrayed to the chief priests and to the scribes, and they will condemn him to death and deliver him to the Gentiles to mock and to scourge and to crucify. And the third day he will rise again. The cross wasn't a surprise to him. He knew that was how he was going to die. Matthew chapter 26 verse 1 and 2. Now it came to pass when Jesus had finished all these sayings that he said to his disciples. You know that after two days, two days is the Passover and the son of man will be delivered up to be crucified. John chapter 3 verses 14 to 15 in that conversation with Nicodemus. This is quite early in his ministry. Uh, the verse 16 is where we hear the popular for God so loved the world. But verse 14 and 15, this is what Jesus said before he said for God so loved the world. And as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, even so the son of man will be lifted up. That whoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. Jesus knew very early in his ministry how he was going to die. He had chosen the process. John chapter 8 verse 28 to 29. Jesus said to them, And when you lift up the Son of Man, then you will know that I am he. And that I do nothing of myself, but as my Father taught me, I speak these things. And he who sent me is with me. The Father has not left me alone, for I always do those things that please him. Then John chapter 12, verse 32 to 33. And I, if I'm lifted up from the earth, will draw all peoples to myself. This he said, signifying by what death he would die. So... When you look at all these passages, a few things come up. First, is that Jesus knew what was going on. Jesus understood what was going to happen. He knew the cross was existing. He knew that uh, death could come uh, through many ways. He could be thrown out uh, from a mountain and then crushed down. He could have been stoned. He could have been beheaded. He could have been thrust through with a spear or with a sword. All these possibilities were there. And he could have died of other natural causes. But he chose how he should die. He chose it. So he knew what he knew. He knew he would be crucified. Jesus knew he would be crucified. And I can imagine if you were Jesus as a human. Anytime you walked in Judea. And walked in a public space. And saw a rebel or a thief. On the cross, crying, you just know very soon I'll be one of those. I'll be that. I'll be there. And he still kept preaching. He knew where he was going. It didn't deter him. He knew he would be crucified. He would knew he would die on a tree. He would not die under spear. He would not die by stoning. He would die on a tree. He knew he would die publicly. He said all will see him. He knew his death would draw people to him. And he knew his death would give life. All of these were known to Jesus ahead of time. So it wasn't as if Jesus was just minding his own business. And, and then he got surprised 
and then they gave him this brutal sentence and he was so shocked about how cruel human beings can be no he wasn't surprised he knew what he had bargained for he knew what he was entering into he knew the price he was paying Jesus knew so every day of his life on earth he knew where he was going he knew what he was preparing for and when he told his disciples the way he was going to die Peter said God forbid God forbid if you're going to die die a nice one not this one God forbid Jesus said get behind me Satan in other words you have no idea what's going on with this deal you think I'm just here to make you feel good you think I'm just here to heal your sick people and to do miracles for you to be excited and for you to think about who be greatest in the kingdom you think I just came to make you happy I came for a bigger deal than this one the stakes are very high Peter and what I have to do is very high it's going to be painful but that's what I signed for so when Jesus was crucified it's it's not for nothing that all his disciples left because no Jew wants to be around a crucifixion and I'll tell you why pretty soon it's not a that's not a, nobody wants to hang around only his mother was hanging around and John comforting his mother Peter the precocious Peter was not there if you think about anything this is a place Peter should be hanging around but no Jew wants to be around a crucifixion so later this is how the Apostle Paul describes the crucifixion and the cross in 1st Corinthians chapter 1 verse 18 and then we will look at verses 22 and verse 24 this is how Paul says it he said for the message of the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing but to us who are being saved it is the power of God the message of the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing but to those who are, who are being saved it is the power of God now why is the message of the cross foolishness he explains it further in verses 22 and verse 24 for Jews request a sign and Greeks seek after wisdom but we preach Christ crucified to the Jews a stumbling block to the Greeks foolishness but to those who are called both Jews and Greeks Christ the power of God and the wisdom of God so he's talking about three different perspectives to Christ crucified Christ crucified he said that statement it's not a brilliant one and you know these days it's very easy for us to talk about a crucifixion and we're even wearing a cross around our necks if you lived 2,000 years ago in the days of Jesus you would not put a cross around your neck it's like somebody killing your father excuse me to bring this example at the firing squad and then you go and put a machine gun around your neck 
as a jewelry. Or your father is killed by uh, the electric chair, and we don't use that in Ghana. And then you go and get a replica of electric chair and put it around your neck. The symbol that brought the greatest pain to you is a piece of jewelry. You wouldn't do that if you lived 2,000 years ago. So now we wear it because something has happened to the cross. And we'll look at that a bit later. So Paul says, we preach Christ crucified. If Christianity was man-made, the disciples would never have chosen crucifixion as their message. They would never have chosen it. How do you, it's almost like saying, the person I really adore was arrested as an arm robber and stoned. How would you create a hero out of that? If they wanted to create Jesus as a hero, believe you me, they would have shut the gospel out uh, from the crucifixion out of the gospel because it doesn't make sense. It doesn't make sense. One of the proofs that Christianity and the message of the gospel is from God is that there is no effort to beautify it. So Paul says to the Romans, to the Greeks, to Gentiles, Crucifixion is foolishness. Why does he say it's foolishness? Because Jesus was condemned. They could not see how a condemned person who died through crucifixion can be a hero. If you live in Roman and Greek times, the Romans like their heroes. He has to be Hercules. He has to be some, uh, some really super person. Not somebody who is crucified. So if you want to tell a Roman, believe in Jesus as your savior, and the message you are presenting to him is that he was crucified, it's foolishness. How can a hero die such a dishonorable death? The message of the cross was foolishness to the Romans. How can you embrace a redeemer who died on a cross. So Paul says, when we say Christ crucified, the Romans can't get it. The Greeks can't get it. Because in their culture, heroes don't die this way. It's foolishness. Then he talks about the Jews. He says to the Jews, the crucifixion is a stumbling block. It's a stumbling block. In other words, they can't jump it. Why? Because in the Jewish culture, death by hanging, and crucifixion was considered as a form of hanging by the Jews, death by hanging means you have been cursed by God. You've been cursed by God. Now, if you say Jesus is the Messiah, he's the son of God, and yet he's cursed by God, how can you say a person God has cursed should be our savior? So the Romans look at it and they say, it doesn't make sense. He's a hero who died out of crucifixion. The Jews look at it and say, it doesn't make sense. The son of God cannot be accursed. So both sides, one side, it's foolishness. The other side, it's a stumbling block. And that's why 
the Jews didn't show up at the crucifixion because the whole process of the crucifixion in their culture is unclean. If you know anything about the Jews, they were fixated on what is clean and what is unclean. And there are some things you're not supposed to even watch or get close to or touch. And you can't get a crucified man's blood to touch you. Because the curse will pass on to you. They stay away from a crucified person. Nobody will go for his body. Normally when a Jew was crucified, he, he was left hanging on the cross. Die, decompose on the cross. Nobody will claim him. Because that's a curse. It's an unclean thing. Now the disciples come and say, Jesus, crucify, redeemer. How? A curse becomes a redeemer. They go to the Jews, to the Greeks. Jesus, crucify, redeemer. A hero who died such a death. So for both of them, the gospel doesn't make sense. Then Paul says, but for us who are being saved, Christ, the power of God and the wisdom of God. Christ, the power of God and the wisdom of God. So what the believer is saying is, in this thing that looks like foolishness and looks like a, a curse and a stumbling block, we see wisdom. Because the crucifixion was God's drama to the world. God was dramatizing what he was doing to humanity. He was telling the world two important things. And I, I like how uh, the scripture puts it that the inscription on the cross of Jesus was Jesus of Nazareth, King of the Jews. Now why was that written? Because that was his crime. The Romans will always put your crime on your cross. So if you stole a goat, then they will say, Kwame of Nkwantanan, stealer of goats. So everybody who came around saw him and just said, well, that's Kwame, he's a thief. So Jesus' crime was Jesus of Nazareth, not son of God, king. Because Jesus was accused and delivered by the Jews, but he was punished for something different. The Jews went to Pilate and said, this one says he's the son of God. That's no problem to them. But when they talked to Jesus, they realized he's not just saying he's a son of God. That's a Jewish problem. He's king. That's a Roman problem. Because there is only one king and he's Caesar. And when you say you are king, you have committed high treason against the empire of Rome. You are now against Caesar. And it is for that that the Romans killed him. Not because he's a son of God. The Jews are the ones considering who is son, who is not son. We are considered about the political dimension of this thing. Who is king and who is not king. Not relationship, politics. 
So two things are converging. Jesus, Son of God, Jesus, King. So they're saying, we need to knock out this king. First time they, some people tried to knock out the king was when he was born. Now he's dying, they want to knock out the king. So this is his crime. Jesus, Nazareth, king of the Jews. In other words, nobody should ever dream about being king again. And that's it. And it was written in three languages. If it was today, you would say it was on Facebook, it was on Twitter, it was on Instagram, it was everywhere. It was in every means of communication in a public space. They wanted everybody to see what was happening. When the Romans passed about, that's condemnation on the cross. The Jews come about, that's a curse on the cross. So for both of them, they understood what's happening is condemnation. What is happening is a curse. The believers said, that's the wisdom of God. Thank you for listening to Living Word. To interact with Pastor Mensah Otebill, like his page on Facebook. Follow him on Twitter at Mensah Otebill. Email Otterbill at centralgospel.com or call plus 233-302-688-000.